0: They're super emo and they're like sad at each other. You know what I'm talking about? They're in the stairwell at your school and they're just super like both in love but like sad at each other all the time. You've seen these kids. How do they do that? How do they live that way? It's exhausting. It's terrible. You know why? It's because they're addicted. addicted. They're addicted. They're addicted to the relationship. And you know why they're addicted? Is usually, it's generally because they're having sex with each other. And they can put up with the terrible nature of their relationship because they know that if they're lucky on Friday night, uh, they're going to have about 30 seconds of pleasure. That's why. Is that too much? <laughs> I haven't said that before. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> and it gets them, stu- gets them stuck in an addictive cycle. Okay, it's the same thing. It's not any different than people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol, right? It's really enjoyable for, like a, for a little bit. But then the coming down off of the high is absolutely terrible. And then so they go through a season where things are just terrible and they're willing to put up with it because they're hoping on Friday night them and their friends are going to get blazed and they're going to get drunk together and then it happens all, uh, all over again. This is the way addiction works. And this is the way bad relationships work. It's unhealthy. It's a roller coaster. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's hard to get off of these cycles when you're stuck in them. But let me tell you, it's, it usually ends with disaster. It usually ends with a disaster, and uh, it results, for some people, these kind of relationships result in years of unmet expectations in all of the relationships that they have. So they learn how to have these, like, s- these bad cycled relationships, and so then they recreate those, res- they create a pattern, so they break up with that person, okay, but then they do it all over again with another person, hoping that something will change and it doesn't, and then they do it all over again. and then they end up, like, pregnant and stuck and... It's terrible. Now, this is exactly what the Bible says idolatry is like. The, the, the Bible says idolatry is just like this. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Uh, the, the name of today's sermon is How to Break Up with Bell. Okay? And you'll find out who Bell is in a second. But, but all of us have bells in our life, and, and, uh, and we need to figure out how to deal with them. So let's, let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for these young people. Uh, I'm so excited about what you're doing in their lives. Lord, I pray that even right now that, that, that there would be juniors and seniors sitting there thinking, you know what, it's time to sign up for discipleship. You know what, it's, it's time to prepare. It's time, time to prepare for the next phase of my life because what I, don't, what I don't plan for and what I don't prepare for uh, will sneak up on me. And, uh, and I don't want to be caught flat-footed in my relationship with God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be convicting them and, and that you would be drawing them into a deeper walk with you. Lord, I ask that you bless this time in your word and that, Lord, uh, souls would be convicted and that people would make decisions today because, because you're worth it. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is what is an idol? If we're talking about idolatry, what is an idol? In the Bible, an idol was generally any icon or image that was set up to represent false god. All right? And so you could think for a second, if you've heard the story of Exodus, you guys remember how Moses was up on the mountaintop in a God, and then when he came back down, right, he got the Ten Commandments. Oh, I got some. What's up? No, but like, he finds them worshiping a false god. And what are they worshiping? What did it look like? Do you guys remember what it looked like? It was a golden calf, right? It was a golden calf. Now, who would worship a golden calf? I, I've never been able to get my... You couldn't select something way cooler, right, than that. I just, we won't get into the reasons behind that, but the idea is that when you read the Old Testament, a lot of times you see people who walk away from God and they're worshiping an icon or an image that's set up in front of them that represents ideas or things that they desire. Now, idolatry like that actually still exists in the world. That's not something from the Old Testament. That's not something from thousands of years ago. Um, Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to India, and in India, there's over a million gods just like that, and it's not just some weird thought. I mean, when you're driving through cities, there are cities that are dedicated to false gods, and as you drive through these cities, there are giant sculptures everywhere dedicated to gods that look like monkeys and and all kinds of stuff with multiple arms and like there's it's wild. It's like it's like living in a Marvel comic. You know story, where like all they look like superheroes. They're so, they're so fictitious and strange and bizarre, but they're everywhere. And people are praying to them. People are making sacrifice. I went to a city called Raya Gada. We uh, evangelized there and we taught in a Bible school there. And in Raya five years before I got there, so this would have been about ten years ago, people were still sacrificing children to a god named Juggernaut. Who's, who's essentially just a black, it's, his image is just a black circle like this with two eyes, and he's short, he's got stumpy little legs, he looks like an emoji. And uh, they fear him, they fear him, and they were sacrificing babies to him, not even just ten years ago, and many people there still suspect it's going on. Okay, this is happening, this is, re- this is real. And so people do worship worship false idols even today. But here's the deal: that seems so foreign, that seems so distant. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you that this is a danger in your life too. It may not look like that, all right? It may not ever seem like it's that extreme, but in God's eyes, it's that extreme. So so false idols are really they're no are no danger to us. Uh, they don't have any power, right? These these images or these things, they don't have any power. But it's what's behind them that has the power. So in 1 Corinthians chapter eight, verse four, it says, "As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other god, uh, none other god but one. For though there be that uh, are called gods, though there are idols that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be many gods and lords many." But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom uh, are all things, and we in Him, and, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. So the Bible is clear that, that, that idols themselves don't have any power. Okay, but it's what's behind those idols that actually does have power. There, there are things behind there that are, that are dangerous. Okay, uh, If you look in chapter 10, verse 19 of First Corinthians, it says, What say I then, that the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they actually are sacrificing to devils. And not to God. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he So God says idols aren't anything. And the offerings that we make to idols aren't anything. Those sacrifices aren't anything. But Christians, you actually don't get the privilege of associating with idols while you associate with Jesus. That's the thing that we want to get get at. It's not good to associate your life with idols. With idols. Because God doesn't want to share you. God doesn't want to share you with anything or anyone. So the question for you today is this, do I have an idol problem? Okay, if you're writing things down. It's always the senior girls. There's some junior girls. I see. There's some men over here. Look at this. Note-taking men. Got some note-taking men in here. It's awesome. So the question for today is this, do I have an an, an idol problem? If so, what do I do about it? If so, what do I do about it? So let's look at our main text. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 1. Okay? Here we go. Ready? You can read along along up here if you need to. boweth down. Nebo. It's a great name. Nebo stupeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together, they could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Okay, weird verse, weird passage, let's explain it. So what we have here in Isaiah is God preparing his people, the nation of Israel, to leave captivity. And he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to encourage them to prepare themselves in their heart to go and to to leave from the captivity of the Babylonians and make a new life for themselves. But the nation of Israel is really concerned by the threats that the Babylonians are making against them. The the nation is making threats against Israel and saying, Look, if if you leave, if you go, okay, if you rebel in this way, our gods are going to be out to get you. And they're afraid of that. They're afraid that the false gods will oppress them. And that's because false gods do oppress people. Now, not in the way that we think about. They don't have power, right? They don't have power over our lives. But it's the concepts and the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions that go along with false idols that do oppress people. Now, Bel or Baal, you guys are familiar with Baal, right? Was the chief god of the Babylonians. He was their primary Lord, he was their primary God that they worship. Nebo was a god that ruled over learning. Okay, so these are two false gods that they worship in Babylonia. Now, now God is telling Israel that these gods are nothing but wood and gold overlay. That's what he's telling them. These god look, what does he say here? And He says, Bel boweth down and Nebo stoopeth. They stoop, they bow down together. They're nothing. Right? They're sad. They're useless. They're worthless. They're a worthless piece of wood and metal. They don't mean anything. But listen to me. Listen to me. What's important for you to understand is that while they're nothing and, and, and while God plans to defeat Babylon, that the city will be pillaged and wherever those idols go, they will be a burden to the people that carry them. They're going to be a burden. That's what, that's what this says, is that when Bel and Nebo are taken from Babylonia and they're stolen away and they're put on the carriages of the of the, the winning kingdom, the the kingdom that defeats Babylon. There'll be a burden <coughs> to even the oxen that try to carry that out. Does that make sense? So, so what I want to point out to you is that is this is really important, and this is our first key point. Your idols are oppressive. Is there a water in here? He throw me a water. That's great. I'm coming down off the flu. Uh, <clears throat> like oh, okay. Whatever. It's all good. I'll figure it out. So our first key point is this. Your idols are oppressive. Now, okay, let's talk for a second about idols. Okay, idols, like, okay, listen. Your Xbox and your PlayStation 5 itself, the thing itself is not wicked. The thing itself is not wicked. Your iPad, your phone, TikTok itself, in and of itself, it's not a wicked thing. It's just a thing. (coughs) It's what you've made of it that's wicked. Right? So there's a lot of us who have these things in our life. We don't know it, but, but there's a devil right behind the thing that we obsess over. Thanks, bro. There's a devil right behind it. You don't even know it. You have no idea that that relationship that you're in or that person at school that you're, you're sexually attracted to, that guy or that girl that you're obsessed with, or, or the grade that you desire so badly, or pleasing your parents, or whatever it is that you're obsessed with, that thing... When you obsess over it and it occupies your mind, it becomes a burden. It becomes oppressive because you've invited devilish thoughts into that thing. That's how idolatry works. So, so it might not look the way it looks in India for you because you're a privileged rich people, right? You're American and, and you've, got, you've got some things figured out. But listen to me. You're just as idolatrous as anybody else. And your idols are oppressive. They will weigh you down. They will burden you. Right? They will slow you down. They will affect your faith. faith. So notice that these idols, no matter where they go, they are a burden. And when they are taken away, they are loaded onto carriages, and the oxen are worn down, and this is what your idols do. They drain you. They drain you. They oppress, they oppress you. They keep you in cycles of pain and anxiety. They destroy any confidence that we should have in Christ. So whether your idols are a boyfriend, a girlfriend, obsession about how you look, some of you worship the way you look, whether your obsessions or idols are video games or they're your grades or or hours and hours on TikTok or pleasing your parents or whatever it is, listen to me, when you worship those things, they will suck you dry. You ask yourself, well, why am I depressed? It's because you have an idol. It's not because TikTok is on your phone. It's because you worship it. That's why you're anxious. That's why you're depressed. It's not because you like boys. You should like boys, if you're a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? You should. No, listen, listen to me. Why do you lack confidence? Why do you hate yourself when you look in the mirror? Because you... You have an idol. Right? You have an idol. You're worshipping a false god. Now you don't know that because, well, it's hidden. It's hidden. Like you, you didn't know that there that was a devil behind there. Right? You didn't know there was a devil behind the golden calf in your life. But it's there and it will burden you, and it will get you stuck. So whatever it is that you're worshiping falsely, it's never going to bring you any pleasure, not ultimately. And in fact, it's going to make you tired. (coughs) It's going to wear you out, and it's going to leave you feeling hopeless. Not only that, but your idols are going to actively rob you of your faith. So they're going to start eroding away the thing that you actually believe, and that's Jesus Christ. Listen. Verse 3. Isaiah 46, verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel which are born by me, from the belly which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age I am He, and even to whore's hairs, that's like white hair, will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry, and will deliver you. To whom will ye liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be alike. May be like. Okay, so God tells us a few things first about His love for us. So let's point something out. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He He came to this earth and laid his life down because he loves you and he desires your friendship and he desires your worship. Okay? And here we have God declaring to the to the Israelites his love for them. <clears throat> How am I going to get you to two sermons today? <clears throat> this is going to be a problem, isn't it? <clears throat> okay. So listen to what he says about you. This is the first thing he says. You belong to me. You belong to me. Which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. Is what he says to the nation of Israel. Now you're not the nation of Israel, but the concept still applies. We are his children and we belong to him. We belong to him. And this knowledge comes with a great sense of comfort and belonging, doesn't it? When you know that you belong to Jesus and that he knows your name, and that he thinks about you from his throne in heaven. And he's orchestrating the things around your life because he wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. He wants to build you up. And he says to you, you belong to me. Does that not give you an incredible sense of comfort? Doesn't that give you purpose that transcends anything else? does that immediately become the most important relationship in your life? That's what he says to you. You belong to me. Now listen to the other thing he says. I will carry you. <sighs> Isn't that what some of us need? Who doesn't feel sometimes as though they need someone to carry them? Everyone feels that way. You know, um, you guys may—some of you may be familiar with my kids from from Kidtown. <clears throat> but Eloise is my my youngest daughter, and she's five years old, and she's still my baby. Uh, but, you know, we, during COVID, I don't know if you guys did this. You should have. But you were, like, always looking during quarantine to get out of the house. And so we would go for walks. We went for, like, like, crazy long walks. We would walk for, like, four miles as a family. We'd get lost in neighborhoods that we'd, like, never been in. And, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was like an adventure. The older kids, they had no problem. But at the time, Eloise was, like, three, three and a half. And so we would get way into a walk. And she would just basically lose it. I mean, she just she just felt as though she couldn't... Now, she's a little dramatic, but I believed her. I mean, she's three and a half. She just was tired. She was hot. She's, like, sweaty. And she's, like, just looking at me. Her limbs are droopy. And then I have to carry her, like, two and a half miles back home uphill, you know? And, uh, you know, God is, is such a friend. And He loves you so much that He's willing... He's willing to take you up into His arms and carry you when you can't walk. Now, that's real spiritual and that's real real mushy-gushy and it sounds real sweet, but listen to me. I know, because you're a human being, that sometimes you feel that you can't keep going forward and you don't have any answers. (coughs) (coughs) And you need someone to carry you. And you know what God says? I'll carry you. that's what we need that's the kind of God that we have now the, the last thing he says is I will deliver you I will deliver you he tells them that he's going to deliver them out of their frightening and difficult circumstances with the Babylonians I will deliver you I will be your deliverer I will take you out of harm's way <coughs> and God is our deliverer what a good God that he's, he's here to bring us out of our trouble and into his hope what a good God now here's the point here's the point he says all that stuff but you t- you try to take those things away from him and attribute them to something else that's what you try to do he says I belong to uh, you belong to me that's what he says to you. And, you and you say well I belong to this boy at school he says he says you belong to me and you say, no, I belong to the sports team at school. He says, you belong to me. He said, no, actually, I belong to, uh, you know, God forbid, like, you, hours of YouTube video, video game videos or something. I, whatever the heck it is you guys are doing. It's, it's really terrible. You guys know, you guys, when we talk about it out loud, you know how terrible it sounds that you guys sit and watch other people play video games on YouTube? <laughs> when you say it out loud it just really sounds as terrible as it really is or even like whatever it is you watch sports highlights or you, you, you're like an ESPN sports center freak or whatever it is you can fill in the blank the point is you think you belong to that and you think that thing is going to carry you when you get hopeless you think that thing is going to deliver you in hard times you're delusional You're delusional. You're worshiping a false god. The point that God is making here in Isaiah is that his goodness can't be counterfeited in any false god. Verse 5 says, To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? Who are you going to do that with? Nobody. Nothing. Nothing. You can't. So here's the next key point. Your idols are a poor replacement for God. Your idols are a poor replacement for God. But see, the problem is that we're, we're always convinced of, of this truth, because after all, God made us. God made us. But you know what? We made our false gods. We made them. Does that make sense? It's like we're not always convinced that our replacements aren't better than God. And the reason is, even though God made you, well, you made your idol. <laughs> so it's got to be great, right? Because you made it. It's got to be awesome. Because it's your obsession. It's got to be good for me. It's got to care. It's got to be... Because it's my entertainment. It's my thing. It's, it's my obsession. I made it. It's my baby. And we make them just the way we like them. Shiny and fun. That's how we make our gods. They're always shiny. And they're always a lot of fun. Right? But it's a lie. The whole time it's a lie. Listen to God's description of the, of these man-made idols in this chapter. They lavish gold out of the bag and they weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. See, the idols that we associate associate with, entertainment, friends, dreams of success, are fashioned just the way we like them. We're proud of our inventions, aren't we? We create them for our use, for our happiness. We're motivated by a desire to feel good, to be affirmed, to be recognized, to be taken care of. But instead, we worship them with our attention, and our energy, and our efforts. We give and, we give and 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 we give. Right? Like, what does it say in this passage of verse six? They they weigh out the gold, they measure it out, they weigh out the silver. They hire a goldsmith. They make it. They make their god. They make it just like they want it. <coughs> right? That's what they do. And then what do they do? They fall down and they worship it. So f- from the, mo- the moment that it's crafted, everything else in that relationship is on them. That's exhausting. That is exhausting. That is, that every, you are going to pour your energy into that thing, and you're going to give, and you're going to give, and you're going to give to that boy that will never like you, that girl that doesn't even know who you are, or maybe she does but she's just using you and you're using her and it's pathetic or maybe that those maybe it's just nights in the in the 1 or 2 or 3 in the morning looking for something maybe it's pornography right maybe it's maybe it could be whatever like i listen y'all i taught high school i know what y'all are up to you're a bunch of freaks <laughs> even the good ones okay now, if you're not a freaky freak, that's good. Stay close to your mom and dad. Right? Let them encourage you. Trust in the Lord. But listen to me. There's some, at least there's some freaky stuff out there. And even if you're not, if there's something you're obsessed with, maybe it's your grades. Maybe it's your grades. But here's the point. Whatever it is that you've set up, you're going to give to it and give to it and give to it and give to it. It's only going to wear you out. You know why? Because this next key point. Your idols are indifferent to you. They're completely indifferent to you. They don't, I'm going to say it, they don't give a crap about you. They don't care about you. Yeah, that's true. Good good catch. Good catch. Good catch. I made this PowerPoint like uh, 10 minutes ago. I thought I copied and pasted, but I guess I didn't. It's right here in my notes. Your idols are indifferent to you. Okay, let me explain that to you. You know what the word indifferent means? It means that they don't think about you. You're not important to them. You're not important to them. Okay, here's the next verse. Verse 7. It'll explain it further here. Listen. They bear him upon the shoulder, meaning the idol. They carry him and set him in his place, and he standeth there, the idol. From his place shall he not remove. Yea, One shall cry unto him, yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. It's not going to save you. It's not going to save you. Money is not going to save you. A good job is not going to save you. College isn't going to save you. Guess what? You don't like your parents? Okay, a lot of people don't. When you move out, guess what? Life is still terrible. You move out, you think it's going to be better. You think the grass is greener somewhere else? Listen, y'all, it's not. Life is hard. And you can't fix your life with by worshiping idols. They will only make it worse. There's no answer there. There's no answer. They can't answer you when you cry out, when you call to them, when you say, I need hope. I need help. I need to be delivered. There's nothing there. But just another hour of of. Modern warfare or whatever, you know, one more hour of call of duty, one more hour of just losing your mind to some vain and empty and terrible thing that hates you and doesn't even think about you. So what do we do when we find ourselves stuck in cycles of false worship? What do we do about it? There's got to be an answer to this because all of us right now, if we're honest with ourselves, are struggling with some sort of idolatry. Name it in your head. You know it. I mean, we've talked about it for about twenty minutes now. You've got to think about it. You know that it's there. What is the thing that you're struggling with? When, when do we when when do we begin to acknowledge that we're obsessed with the wrong things? When you want to just ignore it? I mean, can't you be honest enough in your heart and in your mind to acknowledge the fact that there are things that you're obsessed with that are wrong? Be honest with yourself for once. Like, actually think like a real person who's not a robot. Like, literally, your phones have made you a robot. You don't know how to feel. Your mind doesn't know how to engage. It doesn't know how to empathize. This part of your... Look, look let me explain it real quick. This right here is your frontal lobe. This part of your brain is, is, is used to empathize with other people and acknowledge souls and, and, and the value of feeling. This part right here. Your phones, scientifically, the more time you spend scrolling on your phone and looking at social media, the less this part of your brain develops. And guess what? Your brain isn't developed until you're about 24. So the part of your brain that makes you human is losing its ability to feel. So this is what I mean. I'm asking you right now to think and to feel and to consider what do you worship. Actually think about life. When we're unhappy and empty feeling, it's because we have false idols in our lives. So what do we do? What do we do? The answer is in verses 8 through 10. Remember this. And show yourselves men. Like, act like people. Like, remember this. Remember, consider this. Contemplate on this. And show yourselves to be a normal person. Consider, reflect, meditate on and remember the former things of old. Do you guys remember when you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Remember the day that you met Christ for the first time and you, you felt set free and the joy you felt when you got to tell your mom and dad about the decision that you made or the way you felt at that retreat, Sorry. Sorry. right? You, know, you remember how that felt? Bring it again to mind. Bring it again to mind O ye transgressors remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning things that are not, uh, not yet and my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So here's, here's the deal. Here's the final key point. Listen to me. God is the one and only. So make Him your one and only. I mean, He already is the one and only. When the earth fades away and all of this passes away, guess who's the only one that's going to be standing? He is the Ancient of Days. He's the Alpha Omega. He's the beginning and the end. All power is in His hands. His very breath formed the universe. He knows you better than you. He has the hairs of your head counted. He, he, he knows you so well. He knows your every pain. He knows every tear that you've ever cried. He knows you. This is God. He is the one and only. Why isn't He your one and only? I mean, with that knowledge in mind, why isn't He the only priority of your life? Here's some, here's some verses I want you to consider before we close up. 1 Kings 18.21 And I don't think it's in, I don't think it's on the screen. But you can listen to me if need be. Okay? First Kings 18.21 And Elijah came unto all the people. This is the nation of Israel. In a, in, a, in a time in Israel where they're worshiping false gods. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. How, how long are you going to stand between two opinions? Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. You're not going to do both. You think you can, you're not. 2 Corinthians 6.15 says, And what accord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, the unclean thing, and I will. So here's the question for you. Do you have idols? And will you will you destroy them? Will you destroy them for the sake of Christ? Because he deserves it. Because you belong to him, he will carry you, and he will be your deliverer. That's who he is to you. So it's time to kill the idols. It's time to grow up and to put those things away. And so with that, I'll hand it over to Jeff.